0: Today is July 3rd, 2021. This is episode 129 of Back to Normal. So let's get started. All right, welcome to the podcast. Um it's good to be back. Um last week for those of you who listened to the episode last week, I do uh, think it's very worth listening and having some time to think through um I'm not going to I'm not going to dwell on on uh, the residential school thing again um i feel as though i've been spending a lot of time reflecting obviously um today being july 3rd two days ago was canada day um obviously it's very different this week than it has in the past um i'm not going to i'm not going to talk about it more because i've got other things to discuss this week but i do encourage you to uh go and listen to the last episode and and do some reflecting and um some thinking if you haven't uh for this episode this week what I want to talk about is the fact that the the job that I've been talking about for, uh, honestly, it feels like about two months now, um, which I which I applied for and which I've been asking for um, to exist at NSERC has finally come to the, the, the competition has finally come to a head. We are we have I have gotten as of yesterday, gotten the interview questions and um, I just want to talk through um, this is kind of preparation for me for this interview which honestly so far my career has not been super varied like I've, I've been working at NSERC for eight years my, my only real adult employer um, is NSERC but I've had a bunch of different jobs at NSERC and so I've done a bunch of interviews but this honestly feels like definitely the most uh, the most important the most pertinent uh, the most relevant you know this is the job that I asked to be created so um, kind of putting all the chips on the table with this interview. And so I want to kind of talk through, um, you know, what I what I see and hope to get out of the job, and what I see for it, and then kind of crystallize those thoughts as I'm as I'm taking notes because we've got got the questions ahead of time and uh, the interviews on Tuesday. I'm not going to focus at all, actually, this week. <laughs> Speaking of, of topics from past weeks, I'm not going to focus at all on vaccines because I have I am fully vaccinated now, as of one week ago. Uh, last Saturday, got the second dose, and so honestly, like that's going really great, but I'm focusing right now again, because the whole point of this is back to normal. Um, I see normal as, you know, we can go back into the office and I have this this job that I'm applying for that I'm interviewing for. So um, maybe we can talk more next week unless I get the job already, in which case I'm probably going to talk about that. Um, but we'll, we'll get back to vaccinations. But they are moving steadily along, um, getting cl- Close to 50% fully vaccinated somewhere, depending on where you are in Ontario. Somewhere between, I think we're like 33, 35% places in Toronto. Um, The GTA who've had more doses prioritized because they had more cases of uh, more hotspots are closer to 45% vaccinated. Um, But that's moving along. And I really wanted to talk about um, this interview today. So that's what we're going to do. So first off, I'm just going to go through the questions. Um, And then kind of provide the answers that I've been thinking about. And, uh, you know, this is just kind of for me to talk through (laughs) what I see as uh, how this how this interview is going to go. And so the first question is, uh, this role is meant to provide dedicated and centralized leadership for collaboration on the development of tools and processes um, across the research grants and scholarships directorate. Given this, please describe your vision for what this position will accomplish. What are the opportunities for RGS that you see right now? What would you say are some short, medium and long term goals for the position? Um, And so, yeah, I basically I sat down last night because I'm I'm super interested in in this. This is this is kind of honestly what I've been thinking about when I um, when I saw this question. Please describe your vision for what this position will accomplish. Like the whole point of this for me has been that I asked for this position. I wanted it to be created. Um, I kind of laid out my vision in, in asking them to create it. I kind of laid out my vision for it. And, um, yeah, so I think it's kind of funny because it is a competitive position and th- this is a totally valid question to ask, but I suspect that other people might not have put as much thought into, um, you know, <laughs> if you go to an interview and they say, what do you want to do with this position? That's kind of a weird question if you haven't been thinking about it for a long time. So I mean, I'm, I'm actually really curious what the other person, um, would say it like i'll actually probably ask um ask them because because again spoiler alert when it asks long-term goals of the position i think the position should evolve into a team of its own uh given you know assuming that it's successful and that it accomplishes what it set out what it, what it says sets out to do this year um and so yeah i'm just gonna go through what i've written here so i've i've listed a bunch of short-term goals and then my plan is to um kind of Describe in like in another paragraph um, what I describe those short-term goals evolving into, and to me, as to, as far as medium-term goals and then long-term goals as well, um, having it all kind of flow really nicely through and giving reasons and explanations of how I plan to do those things. Um, and so, in the short term, obviously, um, I would like to. I'm just going to try to convert these point form sentences into full sentences. So, um, proactive change management across RGS program staff. So, uh, making sure that. As changes are coming, um, that I'm able to help manage those changes and kind of get people excited about the changes rather than being really resistant to them Um, and to do that proactively to ease people um, to any new software that we're using. So we're transitioning from Windows 7 to Windows 10 right now. A lot. I think most people are on Windows 10 right now, but not everybody. Um, Our email is migrating to the cloud. Um, Yeah, going from going from right now last year, people were using Office 2016, I believe, or Office 2010, in some cases, if they were still on Windows 7, um, to Office 365 and all of the Microsoft 365 and all of the um, new applications and new tools and things that that brings, um, as well as the transition to hybrid working. And so I consider that, um, you know, since we seem to be getting through the pandemic relatively soon, um, we're going to be going back as soon as we move into our new building next year. Uh, we're going to be dealing with hybrid working and we've already, the management has already been talking about it. You know, there won't be a requirement to come into the office every day there. In fact, probably won't be a number enough comfortable desks for everybody. There will be enough work points for everybody, but there won't be enough comfortable like solo working desks at in our building for everyone to be able to have their own desk. Um, so that's going to be a transition and technology will definitely be able to help with that. I've seen a lot of questions come out of, uh, different Q and A's and, and ask me anything sessions that we've had. Um, so there's going to be a bunch of new technology needed and new answers to questions that people have there. Um, the next one here is collaboration between programs and program operations on modernizing competition tools um, and keeping them within financial staffing and timeline needs. And so um, this is something that's kind of I mean, it, it's there for sure. Collaboration between our program operations team, which is the separate team that helps with um, that helps with, you know, all these kind of meta aspects of competition. Things like flights, things like hotels, things like, um, you know, keeping track of which members are which and making sure that they'll have um, the accounts that they need and making sure that everything is set up with their existing access. They, they provide all the support and help um, up leading up to and during competition. There's obviously financial considerations when we're um, having to invite people um, to be part of our competition. And um, there's also staffing, so making sure that all our personnel Um, We have enough personnel during competition to cover all the competition rooms we have and as well as timelines. So making sure that when we if we get X number of grant applications that we can review them all in the time that we have. Uh, Yeah. So just being able to collaborate and and work closely with program staff who are the ones that are actually doing this determination, um, collaborating and and finding out where we can streamline and, and come up with efficiencies to be able to make it easier to deliver these things within the parameters that we have. Um, So next one here is maintaining and updating existing competition tools and processes to make use of new and improved technologies for program delivery. So this is something that I've been doing for the last probably five years now, uh, basically since I got to this team that I'm on. And um, I have a number of different, probably six or seven different um, competition tools along with the processes that they work with um, that I've built. So kind of macros that I've built. Um which are meant to be general purpose macros, but which do tasks that program assistants and program officers at NSERC often um, need to do. And so basically this point is just about keeping those maintained and updating and and adding potentially thinking of new ones that we might need or might be able to make use of, um, especially as we get to Microsoft 365, as we have access to tools like Power Automate, Power Apps, um, you know, all of that stuff. Can make it really, really useful and powerful to be able to, to come up with new technologies to use those, not just macros. And obviously, along with that, um, I think this is also discussed in another point later. But um, my hope is that as Microsoft makes the transition from um, right now, the, Mac, the main macro language is Visual Basic for applications, um, but they're working right now on a, on a, a programming language, a programming set of um, macro tools called Office Scripts for Excel. Um, It's currently only accessible. It's kind of only a subset of functions right now that you'd have in um, VBA, but you can access them on the web. You can run these scripts from anywhere on the web. And honestly, if if I'm able to write an office script rather than writing VBA macro, um, suddenly the world opens up completely to be able to. um, Yeah, to be able to run those whenever, wherever you're not needing to be on a full computer to do it, you can kind of leverage the cloud to to do this automation um, i would much rather do that and um, i've actually already participated in a um, in a workshop in a kind of a focus group talking about some of the development that's going into office script so that's really exciting to see that this is actually happening i think it's still going to be a few years before it really becomes um, anything more than a beta beta product but um, it's really exciting to see even just the pieces starting to come into place um, So next one here is I would like to take advantage of existing program operations and IAS, which is our Innovation and Information Solutions. That's kind of our IT team. Um, take advantage of those existing linkages to accelerate and streamline discussions about necessary updates. So right now there's a there's a long list of things that um, things that research grants and scholarships teams need to be done in order to keep our programs um, updated and keep our all the IT systems that support our our um, application processes and competitions uh, organized and, you know, following the policies that we've laid out and that list of things that we need done is way longer than the, than the, what our it teams are actually able to do in the time that we've given them. And so right now, part of our big process is, um, is deciding which are the highest priority. And I honestly think that there are probably ways to do this a little bit better um basically focusing in because there's so much time so 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 much time spent on the prioritization um that i really think that being able to be involved in these kinds of discussions or being able to to support these kinds of discussions with some some technical bridging where um i can potentially join the conversation to help and problem solve because um i'm one of the few people on the floor who can translate Um, The policy that we need into terms that will be easily understandable or at least recognizable by our IT team as ways to do something programmatically. And I think that's really powerful because um, a lot of the work in development of these kinds of things is just trying to wrap your head around the problem that is being presented and how you're going to solve it in a computer science way. And um, being able to, I understand, since I understand both of those languages, having worked in programs for a long time, but also having that, that <laughs> one foot in uh, firmly in the land of technology and programming and development and that kind of thing, um, I really think it's possible that I can, um, yeah, basically help streamline those discussions and, and help those prioritization discussions turn into more meaningful discussions of, you know, we can actually now do everything um, or at least a lot more. Um, in the time given because we're not spending all this time trying to figure out what the actual problem is. So next one here is think proactively about ways existing technology can be better leveraged to improve existing program delivery by letting staff work on policy and letting automation handle more repetitive tasks. So this has always been a big one for me um, because the goal has never been for me in automating and in getting rid of repetitive tasks has never been to get rid of extra staff. Because I don't think we run pretty lean. NSERC runs a tight ship, uh, ship in terms of human resources. Um, but there are definitely ways, and I've already done this in a lot of ways, um, but to be able to think proactively about um, using technology to better automate really repetitive tasks, the energy of those people, those human beings who have the creativity, the intelligence, and the capacity to solve complex complex problems and, and come up with complex determinations um is way better than computers, whereas computers are way, way, way better at just re- repetitively like grinding through the same thing over and over again. And honestly, if you spend a bunch of time just doing that grind automation type work, you are going to be less motivated to um to work in that thing unless like unless you somehow uh, have the mind that really likes that repetitive, kind of more mindless work sometimes, um it's really, frustrating to have to do that and and like when i do that i really lose motivation and i decide very quickly the reason the whole reason when i when i joined this team as a program assistant the first task i had to do i looked at it and i was just like this is moving files from one folder to another which is important to do i needed to happen but you can automate this and i spent like the next two months instead of any time i had to move these files I would spend a little bit more time making that task a little easier and a little less repetitive so that like basically you're clicking a button to do part of it and then like moving to the next part clicking the button to do part of it and now um, I basically have it so that you set up your your folders the way that you want you hit one button one time after laying out all your parameters and it just moves all the files and folders like you can spend rather than spending potentially hours moving these files and folders around um, you can set everything up hit the button and within like 30 seconds, it's done. And then the next time you have to do it, you hit the button again. It's already all set up and you're done. Um, so that's that's the kind of thing that I see happening here. Um, yeah, basically giving the people who would be doing this automated, repetitive work, um, giving them a chance to actually think and make decisions and be deterministic in their approach and, and all of these things. And I think that um, it's really empowering for staff to be able to work on higher level things and it, and it frees up your time. To be able to actually spend on those things, rather than feeling like, oh, I don't have time to do this because I'm sitting here mindlessly clicking. The um, so next one here is collaborate closely with other teams in our GS to learn leverage specific skill sets and knowledge to solve problems in a way that works well for everybody. Um, I would really like to use focus groups, um, cyclical feedback, and iterative processes to build the best possible solutions to problems. So this is something that I've done in the past with different tools that I've been working on. The biggest, best example here is probably the Cal tool, which is the um, comprehensive automated layout tool for dg schedules so this is a a, a macro this is a, an application basically in excel that i built that takes um, our schedule output from the um, scheduler that we use which is called optiplanner and p- basically prints pretty schedules with whatever information on them that you want and um, during the development process again i started off with a very very basic thing and basically kept going back. I had a little focus group set up of people that, um, that I could kind of count on for feedback and to provide, you know, new ideas, uh, feature suggestions and that kind of thing. But the idea isn't you get, get feedback once and then you build it and then it's done. Um, I actually went through about a month and a half of cycle, like project cycles where I took it back to the focus group. I said, okay, is this what you want? Um, can this be done better? What can you suggest here? Um, I basically went back and forth and back and forth several times until I was really satisfied that I'd captured all of the needs. And and that's still happening. Honestly, it's been a couple of years now that we've been using the Cal tool. Um, And it still happens. I still get feature suggestions all the time and I incorporate them, um, willingly and and happily into it. And I'm still working on ways myself to make it better. Again, um, going back to the old point, um, taking advantage of new and, um, new and technology to, to better leverage these tools. And, um, so as we're getting Microsoft 365, suddenly this whole new world opens up because Microsoft 365 handles arrays way more powerfully than, um, than any past version of Excel. And, um, honestly, you can take such advantage of that when you're dealing with these large data sets, like we tend to do. And, um, yeah, I'm really, really happy to be able to do that. And, um, honestly, as part of this job, I would also very clearly, um, yeah i would take advantage of this and i would push again with the whole proactive change management thing i would push people not only to to get excited about new technology but to show them how they can use it how the new technology can be of most use to them um and so the last point i have here under short term i'm I'm honestly obviously clearly i'm at almost 20 minutes into this episode i'm not going to get through um this entire list of points i'm only i'm only on question one still um which is honestly kind of hilarious because i've been i feel like i've just been barely scratching the surface of this but the last point i have here um is to connect with the innovation hub um the innovation hub is a new thing we have at ncerc um, basically designed to uh, in my view kind of take the approach that i've been talking about here and basically bring it on an ncerc wide scale um and so yeah basically the the plan here would be to to make sure i have a connection to the innovation hub because it is a hub of the hub, obviously it's connection that has spokes, um, throughout an organization. Um, so I would start to make connections with other like-minded staff or groups across NSERC, possibly Shirk. I don't exactly know how that would work. Um, yeah, to be able to basically share knowledge and best practices. If you can find people that are, that want to work in a similar way as you and are open to feedback and are open to new ideas and new tools, um, in the same way that you are, um, we have a lot of really, really distinctly siloed groups at NSERC who are kind of doing their own thing and and some of them might have really good ideas um, and I want I would love to be able to get a chance to you know see how they work and see what kind of tools they have to be able to do that it'd be great to be able to do it um, across the entire tri-agency so NSERC, SHERC, and CIHR. Um, I would love to be the person that helps to create bridges across these silos um, to make sure that all of us have the best set of ideas. Obviously, I feel like I bring a lot of good ideas to the table, um, in that discussion, but I'm honestly like, <laughs> I'm interested in sharing my, um, set of tools that I do have to see, you know, how can you use this? Um, could it be even better to suit your needs? That kind of thing. Um, but honestly, what's much more interesting to me is hearing from other people and seeing what kind of tools they have to be able to, you know, put like Megatron, this Megatron, Megatron, no Megatron sounds like a transformer. Megazord. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to mention that in the interview. Um, but basically, yeah, if we can work together through this innovation hub, I think that would be a really nice way to, to connect different parts of the organization with, um, with people who think the same way and work the same way to be able to come up with, to make these ideas even better. So basically now I have, a, I'm starting a list right now of, um, of ways that I can expand on the points that I just gave above, um, kind of following them down the logical path that I have in this vision that I've laid out. Um, to be able to, and I'm not going to go into it all because, like I said, it's already been over 20 minutes and my interview is only half an hour. So I really need to actually, this is showing me I need to focus this and and pare it down a little bit. Um, in my discussion, maybe do a top five kind of thing. Um but yeah, this is very exciting. Um, I would love to be able to take this this position, this one position, and and you know, demonstrate that it's it's a very powerful um type of position and be able to use Um, Other staff in the organization who, again, are like minded and be able to kind of um, potentially even even, whether it's recruiting people from outside or bringing people who I know from inside, um, leveraging skill sets that I know we already have to be able to build, uh, to help me build tools, to do all the things that I'm describing. Um, Yeah, honestly, the, the, the biggest thing here for me is. What I would really like to see it in, Cirque and I? And I, I've been pushing for it for a while, so I do start to see it. I see it in some people for sure, and and it'd be great to have, you know, have people be on board right away. Um, but basically, helping to foster a culture of a strong desire to innovate, innovate. Like innovation is such a cheesy business word, but honestly, it really is like, especially when you're in government and everything by default moves so slow. It's not so much that I would like government to move like a startup because I rec- recognize that's unrealistic, but um. To be able to do small things to stay within the bureaucracy, but still be able to streamline and and work on things in a more efficient way. Um, So taking that desire um, to be able to be willing to innovate and to be open to change, um, not basically shunning everything that's different just because it's not something we've done before. Um, And I I would really love to do that by being able to show off benefits to changes, which is what I've tried to do in the past and have had varied success. But I think this position can really empower me to be better heard in in describing the benefits to these changes and upgrades and by encouraging uptake by saying, hey, by the way, if you upgrade to this new thing, um, this is what it will enable you to do. And um, yeah, I think that's really powerful. And uh, we're not taking advantage of it at all right now in NSERC. So all this to say, um, I really only talked about question one. Um, but genuinely, when it when when this question, when I saw this question asking me, please describe your vision for what this position will accomplish. This is the position I asked for. I laid out a vision for this position in order to get it created. And so this is like this question is a gift to me and I love it. And when it asks for the opportunities for RGS that you see right now, I'm already working on them. I've already been putting in work to get them done. And it's just incredible to get this opportunity to, you know, to fully lay out my vision. I plan, I could write, I genuinely, I've already written some like literal essays on this uh, topic. And it would be great to be able to actually present these to staff in a way or to to the management in a way that is meaningful and and will actually do something. The second question here is, who do you see as being key stakeholders in this role? Can you describe your approach to ensure engagement to these stakeholders? Um, And can you provide an example of how you've done this in the past? And based on your experience, is there anything you would change in your approach? Um, and so, yeah, honestly, this is another really interesting question, because obviously the key stakeholders I've, I've described them above, um, they're going to be program staff. They're going to be other people in program operations. They're going to be. Um, yeah, they're going to be IS our IT team. There's going to be information management um, discussions. Management will be really key stakeholders. We have a project delivery office that will be really key stakeholders in this. Um, And yeah, I've been engaging these stakeholders, but I think that coming as as a regular program staff person who just happens to be interested in technology, I don't think I have as much, um, you know, clout or as much social capital in the organization to be able to keep them engaged and and convince them that I actually know what I'm talking about. Um, And so I've been doing this in the past. I've done this a lot leading up to competition. But um, last year, we made a lot of changes in a really short amount of time because we needed to. Um, and right now the pressure is off. We don't need to right now. We need to, you know, by early 2022. Um, I'm just trying to push for, you know, <laughs> yes, of course we could do it at the last minute. <laughs> like given the choice, why would you wait that long? If you're going to do it anyway, if you're going to do everything we need, why wouldn't you just do it now? Um, so, yeah, um, basically trying to talk through that will be my goal in the in the interview. And um, yeah, based on my experience last time. Is there anything i would change i've been trying to change the idea that we like doing things at the last minute is the ideal um thing here it's not it's far from it um so if there's anything i would change in my approach is what i've been trying to do now which is deal with things early and build everything um basically as early as possible i can put together all the infrastructure for competition that i want to have i can do it today Based on all the discussions that um, based on all the research and things that I've already had, um, I can do that today. And so I want to do it as soon as possible. I don't want to wait until January to be making changes and configuration to our systems to be able to work on things. Um, and question three, honestly, genuinely, um, how does your background prepare you for this position? What do you what would you see as the main challenges in assuming the responsibilities and expectations of the role? And how do you plan on overcoming these challenges? So Obviously, I've described some of those above um, in question one. But honestly, my background prepares me for this position in almost innumerable ways. So um, first of all, I have a I have a background in computer science and, and I'm self-taught in a number of different programming languages, um, which will assist me in designing tools, building tools. I understand the language of how um, a lot of Windows software works. And so I'm able to, for example, um, build solutions in SharePoint, which is a Windows um, a Microsoft um, software solution. And I can build a lot of different tools in in SharePoint. I can make use of things like Power Apps, Power Automate, all these Microsoft 365 things. Um, Obviously, I have Excel macros. I have I've built Microsoft Word macros. yeah, my background is all over the place. My background coming from programs also gives me that lens, which I think lends itself well to somebody in program operations to have that background because I understand and I've I've worked closely in the day-to-day. I've actually been a program officer in competition. And um yeah, so basically I'm I'm perfectly positioned to be able to have the background I need to be able to bridge the gap between programs and program operations the main challenge, challenges in assuming the responsibilities and expectations of this role are basically roadblocks um that will come up that have come up now and i'm just hoping that they will be less um, in this position where i I'm, where I'm, you know i'm working in program operations and i have i have closer linkages with with different um teams in IIS. Um, but yeah the main challenges in the responsibilities and expectations of this role are basically that um I recognize that pretty quickly, if I'm working on more than just Discovery Grants, personally, um, I'm going to end up spread pretty thin, and um, which is why in my medium term and long term vision, I see this growing into a team. Because I foresee the the various different projects I'll be working on um, (laughs) already take up a lot of time. And while I work quickly on them and I really love doing them, they're they're really literally passion projects for me. Um, It will be challenging to do all of them if I'm going to be doing them for Discovery Grants and RTI. And all the scholarships programs and everybody else. But honestly, um, the one of the goals here that I have is to to apply the same kinds of ideas to all programs and fit them and tailor them as they make sense to do. And so honestly, it seems like one of the ways in overcoming these would be to, you know, grow the team, to be able to take people to leverage the skill sets of others um, who might not be on the team for now and and make use of their abilities, make use of their time a little bit, kind of lean on them to help with things that I need doing. And um, the other main challenge that I would see is that IIS is going to um, push back on things or delay things or, or you know, I don't want to even say delay, but they they necessarily slow things down um, just to vet and make sure that everything is, is on the up and up and do their due diligence, which is totally understandable. I get it. Um, but the main challenges are basically that They will um, they will not quite they will not see reason and see all the work that we've put into it, um, into developing these things that we're trying to get approval for. As quickly as they could, if they fully understood it, so to be able to cut it again, be that translator and say, listen, I understand that you want to do do, due diligence, but these are tools that we already have access to and they're they're not dangerous in any way in any in any different way than the tools we already have um and being able to better convince people of that faster will get this will get um different things moving more quickly um but honestly that seems like the main challenge in this role is is cutting through bureaucracy a little bit more than I've been able to in the past um and yeah overcoming these challenges that's how I plan to overcome them is is basically act as a kind of translator say here's Here's what I recognize that you have this concern and there's this potential risk involved but I've done the research I've looked into it and for these various reasons that's not the case and um yeah but honestly my background prepares me for this position I need to mention the hackathon of course obviously um which is something that I've done for the last 3 years now um I think this uh, the, in my role as a convener and as a as a person who is who's got their ear to the ground on on the various technology related projects going on at NSERC, Um, yeah, my background is basically perfect to be able to, um, manage the various tools and processes that we use, um, because I've been so involved in them already over the last, again, three or four years. I'm going to leave it there for now. I honestly think I want to talk about more, um, in the interview which is going to be crazy because it's already been half an hour and that's the whole interview time that's literally the entire interview time and i really feel like i've just scratched the surface so um part of my part of my thing between now and tuesday is just going to be streamlining this um like crunching it down into um more digestible blocks because i only have half an hour i'm not going to be able to go over that and so um anyways i hope that was interesting to you that was definitely useful to me and um having said that i'm going to talk to you next week i hope that um, I'll have more information on this by now. By the time I record next week, I will be two weeks post vaccination, so that's really exciting. Um, and yeah, I, this is what I'm. This is my focus until until this job comes through, whatever result it comes through to. Um, this is my focus. This is what I'm most excited about. This is what I'm going to be working on. So thank you very very much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.